I worship a God who surprises me on a daily basis. I worship a God that surprises me sometimes in ways that I can't imagine. I worship a God that surprises me and sometimes by his surprises, he's got hold of me by the throat and shaken me around a bit and thrown me down and picked me up again. And this God that we all worship wants to surprise us all this morning. He wants to break into our worship and into our Bible study time this morning in a new way. And what he wants to do this morning is he wants to just remind you, first off, that he loves you. And in so reminding you that he loves you, he says to you, I care for you. I know about you. I know that thing you did yesterday or the thing you thought the day before. I know all these things and so much more about you. And I love you. Are we going to think about that God this morning? As I say, I worship a God who surprises me. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was in uh, Canterbury, a great metropolis just down the road. And uh, I was uh, doing a bit of hasty shopping before we went on holiday. And literally, I had 10 minutes left on the car. And you know that sort of panic when you've 10 minutes in the car and you've got to leg it to the, the, the car park because you guarantee the one time that you actually do leave it longer than your, your permitted time, there would be somebody there with the book. Who's been there? All been there? Yes, I know. Absolutely fantastic. So here's my, my dilemma. I'm, I'm rushing down uh, through Canterbury High Street with my wife and daughter in tow. Uh, and they're desperately wanting to go back to the shops, of course, as most ladies do. Uh, and I'm desperately thinking, I've got to get to the car, but probably more worried about the fact that if I get to the car, I could get back to watch the rugby uh, when I got back to Faversham. <laughs> but, uh, but the plan was, was to get to the car. Um, and God had slightly different plans. Because as I was walking down the, the main street in Canterbury, there was a table there with four Muslims who were, uh, were uh, claiming you know, their, their gospel. And they were shouting out about their gospel. And by now, the, t- the clock was ticking down, and I'm thinking, I've got, what, six, seven, eight minutes to get to the car. And there are the Muslims, and there's the car, and there's the, Mus- and there's the girls shopping, and there's a rugby. And I'm, Lord, uh, what do I do here? I want to talk to the Muslims. I've got such a heart for Muslims. I've been to Egypt several times. I love Muslims. I just really want to, to make them sort of understand that uh, we serve a God that will not put pressure on them in the way that their God does. And, and our God is a God of liberty and a God of freedom and a God of love and a God that will really, really embrace them and welcome them. And I wanted to talk to them about these things and the time wasn't there. So I did the other thing. What's the other thing? I prayed. So I'm walking down and I said, Lord, give me, you know, just, just one other Christian. Just give me one other Christian that I can point in the direction of these dear brothers who are so sadly misguided. And I bumped into John Thornycroft from uh, Faversham uh, uh, Community Church. So, ah, just the chap. Go and talk to these boys over here. He said, well, I would do, but I'm busy. <laughs> this is not a normal reaction from John, if those of you who know John. And what he was busy about was the fact that then I noticed that he wasn't on his own. Because John Way was there. And many other Christians were on the streets. And they were doing a, a, a healing mission there on the streets of, of Canterbury. And it was, it was fantastic. All of a sudden, going through thinking, I'm the only Christian here and I need one more, just one more. 
God surprises me with sending 220 or however many whoever there was. They just think that you wouldn't have made it down the street without being accosted and beaten over the head with the Bible in Jesus' name. And it was fantastic. I just pray that someone actually got to speak to these young Muslim lads that were there. But God chooses to surprise us. And he wants to break into our lives. Because what happens? Let me tell you about church. As Christians, we come in, and so often we bring everything with us. We bring the world with us when we come into God's house. We bring all the things that have happened in the last week or in the last day. Those things that are just before you came out, those things that have really annoyed you about the rest of the family when they won't get ready to come to church or whatever it might be. But you bring those things with you into the presence of God. And those things are still annoying at you through the first song or the second song or the third song. And if it's a new song, you can't get into it. And eventually you find yourself in worship. And God wants to break into life. And he wants to say, well, look, you know, I hung on a cross that you wouldn't have to worry about all that rubbish. I hung on a cross that you wouldn't have to worry about those things. So when you come in to see me, you come into this presence, lay those things at the foot of the cross because you've, you've left them there and I will deal with them. So you don't have to worry about them now because God has got those things. And when you leave, don't pick them up. Go out with them. That's what you tend to do. Leave them there because God wants to do something great in your lives this morning. When uh, John asked me to, to speak, uh, I sort of said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pleased to speak. And he sent me a list, a very daunting list of dates and subject matter. Right? And uh, I was looking at what date I could, I could sort of slide in here, and there was lots of different things. And uh, so I found this, this date on, on May 31st, and it's the, it starts off on his mission. And as I lead Faversham Gospel Mission, I think, well, okay, there's a tie-in with mission. And then the subject under that says, the origin of mission in God and the promises to Abraham. I thought, whoa, how many weeks have I got to preach? And he said, 45 minutes. Well, I said, no pressure then. No pressure. I love the story and stories of Abraham, and I love the, uh, this message. But where to start? Where to start? That's a good thing. Start with a drink, probably. But, uh, I bring greetings from Faversham Gospel Mission. It's a church not dissimilar in size to yourselves. And uh, we've been plagued this last couple of weeks with uh, onslaught of illness in the church. God surprises us in the most strangest way sometimes. Uh, Jeff, who is my co-leader, can't hear at the moment, so he'll be shouting <laughs> at the fellowship this morning because he's uh, got a problem with his, his, his hearing. My mum's got a chest infection. My wife's got a, a, a cold. Uh, that the leader of worship has, has been laid low again with a with cold, but she's still rallying on. I popped my calf muscle on Friday playing squash, and so uh, I have to bring a chauffeur this morning because I couldn't drive. But God, despite all those things, God is wanting to move us out and to use us and to change us and move us on. There have been lots of things happening in the world this week. Do you read newspapers? Who reads newspapers? Who watches the news? You know, and sometimes it's, it's, you think, well, I'll shut the door to what's happening outside. But as I came through the church this morning, the first thing I noticed was the, uh, the Alpha News. And here we talk about the Soul Church holds the biggest Alpha con- uh, conference. Just over the border, there is a despot leader trying to uh, launch another nuclear war. 
And what we realise in the back of this is that where God is being proclaimed, where God is being lifted up as, as high and mighty King of Kings, Alpha and Omega, the devil does not like it. Just as the way that churches face oppression and churches find themselves persecuted across the world, I'm, I'm glad, so glad you're talking about the open house, uh, open doors. We do a lot of work with uh, Release International in Faversham, and we've been praying especially for churches in Eritrea and pastors there that have been taken uh, and put into prison in 2004 with no charge against them, other than they love the Lord God. So, let's think about the message this morning. And uh, before we do that, let's just uh, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that you've said in your word, where two or three are gathered, there I will be in the midst. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have a heart for your people. Lord, that you want to see us coming before you and reading your word and asking questions of your word. You want us to come before you in prayer and worship and thanksgiving. But Lord, you ask of us that we lift each other up, that we love each other and we share in this work. Lord, I pray this morning that you would change the lives of people in this house, Lord God, that you will take us into a new place. Lord, that our desire to serve you, our desire to hear from you, will be better and bigger and stronger than ever. And Lord, that you would speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the origins of mission and God's promises to Abraham. Well, there's a whole lot of them, isn't there? So uh, where shall I jump in? I remember going to a worship leaders conference some time ago and uh, the uh, speaker at the time was talking about his wife who was having to run a um, Bible study. And uh, she said to him, I don't know what to speak on, John. I don't know what to go for. I, I could go through this. I could go through that. And he was a brother from across the water. He said, well, honey, it's a big book. Just jump in where you want because God will show you what to say. And that's what she said he did. So looking at these, at these promises... Genesis 17 is what I'm just going to pop into first. Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old. I'll say that again. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell down on the ground and the Lord said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham. Instead, you will be called Abraham for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever. And I will be their God. 
When God promises stuff, he promises big stuff, wonderful stuff. Can you just click to see what happens on picture fronts this morning, if anything? Yes. Brilliant. The whole concept of uh, mission is based around a single word. And that single word is go. Right, we'll find out about, more about that a little bit later on. Where to go to? What to do? How to do when we get there? Christopher Columbus, 1492, set sail for a place he didn't know where it was. When he got there, he wasn't sure where he was. And when he left, he didn't know where he'd been. <laughs> but, but he set sail with God's grace and God's strength to find a new, a wonderful place. Mission. Mission. Mission possible? Yes? We used to run a, a, a young people's club in the Faversham Gospel Mission called Mission Possible. Because all things, not that, all things are possible for God. All things. So, mission statements. Well, I was thinking about this. Everybody's got a mission statement these days. Businesses have got a mission statement. Churches have a mission statement. Even the NHS where I work has an, uh, a statement. And if you ask people, well, can you come up with a, a good mission statement? I think uh, one of the statements they might find is uh, this one. Yes, Star Trek. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Remember that? That's the original one, of course. It's a five-year mission, because it's been going a lot longer than five years, <laughs> to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, new civilizations, and to boldly go where no man has gone before. And I think this is the key, is to boldly go. Because God empowers us in mission through his Holy Spirit. And here we are, you know, thinking Pentecost Sunday. You shall receive power. And God empowers us through his Holy Spirit to do the work that he challenges us to do. What was quite interesting, uh, have you ever been in a situation where, where you suddenly find yourself laughing out loud uh, in, um, in, a, in a shop or in a, in a cafe? I, I must admit, I love to laugh. I've always... A, a gift for humour and, and th- see things or read things that make me laugh. Uh, can you flick the uh, next one? Oh, I'll just put that in because I, I found this picture. Spock praying here and it said, Dear Lord, please give me patience. Now the thing is that when you start any, any form of mission or any style of outreach, you really need to have some patience. Uh, and I'm not gifted with patience. Anyone else gifted with patience here? Thank God for honesty in the church. It's wonderful. <laughs> You know, my mum used to come out with a, a little poem that said, "Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom found in woman, and never in a man." Uh, <laughs> uh, which she used and still does remind me of. Okay, but this uh, next picture, please. Does anybody know this lady? This was a crazy. This is what made me laugh. On, on Friday morning, I had to go to a meeting in law courts in Ashford, and I was there too early. And so I went around the corner and I sat in a coffee bar and I had a cup of coffee and uh, the paper, uh, someone had left the paper there and it was open in front of me, page 31 of The Sun, never read The Sun, and there it was, Jesus in Marmite. 
And this is the, one of the funny... And I was laughing out loud at this, I have to say, because this, this is a, a, great, uh, a, a great piece of writing. This lady, Claire Allen, opened up the Marmite, and in the top of the lid, she believes she saw the face of Jesus Christ. And what she said was she opened it up, and these are the words it said. It said, uh, and she's Welsh, so she would have the proper language, and she'll open it up, and she said, well, look, that's Jesus Christ, that is, in the Marmite jar. And so she called the kids over and said, whoa, who's this? And they oh, that's Jesus, that is. So they knew straight away it was Jesus in the Marmite jar. And, of course, it just made me chuckle. And I thought, well, and do you know what I found? I was chuckling, and at the same time, I found this really, really sad. Because here we have, in the year 2009, someone who thinks they recognize Jesus from an image they've seen from films in the top of a Marmite jar. And then more worrying than that, she says, so it's nice to think that he is looking over me. Even from a Marmite jar. And really, you just want to reach out to that lady and say, look, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me introduce you to the man who will change your life. And the man who indeed is interested in your life and will take hold of every aspect of your life and take you to a new place. And it saddened me at the same time as it made me laugh, this dear lady. But what it got me thinking about was when I was thinking about these passages from, uh, from Genesis... If we read from Genesis 17, the first verse, it said, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. But we don't hear how he appeared to him. I'm sure it wasn't in a Marmite jar. But the Lord appeared to Abraham. Now, I like to believe that, that if we were in the presence of the Almighty and he appeared to us, that we would know who he was. There would be something deep within us that would something as we look to him, we would see the love in his eyes. We would see perhaps the pain and hurt in his eyes, but we would see something in him that will help us recognize who he was and why he was there. And he says to Abraham these wonderful words, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. And then the next thing he says is this, walk before me. But what? And be blameless. Be set apart. Be that person that I can use today. Be that person that I can just rely on amongst all other men to do that work which I want you to do. And I, the Lord God, will bless you. And it wasn't just a small little gift. It wasn't like a leaving gold watch. I will bless you that your descendants and your descendants and your descendants will be mine, says God. Now that's a promise, isn't it? That is a promise. Let's drift back in our, in our Bibles just to uh, Genesis chapter 12. And this is where God was speaking to Abraham at this point. If you like, this will be the origin of mission. And here, God speaks. He says, the Lord has said to Abraham, 
very difficult when you read Abraham, not to say Abraham. So you've got to try and say it. I had a friend who used to say Abraham. It was easier to say Abraham than Abraham, because if he said Ab- Abraham, he, oh, he got confused. So the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed. The first thing you think about here is, here is this word, go. God says, go. My mum and dad, when they first started to work in Christian work, they, uh, they got together and they prayed, as, as good men and wife would do, and they prayed, Lord God, we will go anywhere for you. Anywhere you send us. We would go anywhere except Manchester. I don't know what they had against Manchester, but they prayed, don't send us to Manchester. But God's sense of humour always works best. So where do they go and serve the Lord first in their married life? Manchester, several years in Manchester City Mission, and it was great that God blessed them in that place. But when God says go, our natural reaction is to say either two things, where or when, or how. We can come up with lots of different questions, but we question God. When God says go to that person, have you ever been there? You're walking along. You know, you're enjoying your evening. Your evening is a lovely evening. Maybe you've been out for dinner or something. You're just walking back to your house and it's a beautiful evening. And then all of a sudden, you see someone perhaps at the side of the road. And God says to you, go and have a chat with them. And you, you think, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. And you might make a few excuses. Well, you know, I've got to go and get to the car. I've got to get the ticket. I've got to, you know, I've got to do. And we make excuses. And God's word is very, very clear. It's very, very clear to Abraham. He said, go. You will find that uh, if you look at any missionary story, any, any evangelist story that talks about the way in which they received the word from the Lord and that he called them, he said to them quite distinctly, go. And what did they all have in common? What did they all have in common? They went. They all went. He said, go, and they went. And here we see the same with Abraham. Perfect example. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. See, there's a cost so often in serving God. There is a cost, but there is a reward on the back of that. He said, leave this, leave this, leave this, leave this. And go and do the work I called you to do. Go and do this in this place. And I will what? I will bless you. I will bless you. There's a lovely character in the Old Testament whose name is Jabez. And many of you would have heard of Jabez. And what I like about the story of Jabez, it says about him in Chronicles there, that he was different from the rest. And if you read that, you get this whole passage of names and it goes, you know, and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so and so. Big list of names. And it goes, and then Jabez. And Jabez was different from the rest. Because what? Jabez prayed. And he said, Lord, enlarge the place of my territory. God heard his prayer and blessed him. 
You see, we have a God who wants to bless us. Even today in 2009, we have a God who wants to move us and a mission. He wants to motivate us. We get that all the time at work. Now, what is your motivation? What is your motivation in church? It should be to reach out to the lost in Herne Bay. It should be to want to sit with the down and eye on Herne Bay seafront. To talk to the biker that looks like he's half drunk. Mission and motivation is to do God's will. And God, for his part, will bless you. (coughs) So, go, go, go. So God's promises to Abraham. So the first one, I will make you a great nation. And so we've just read that from uh, Genesis uh, 12. If we just leap into the, uh, the next chapter. When Abraham walked and he started to do that which God had sent him, he walked out with his, his family. He took his whole family with him and he took Lot, who was his nephew. And uh, over a period of time, there was, there was a, a place they came to where they decided that the, the, the place wasn't kind of big enough for the two of them. So they decided to separate, and Lot would stay. And if you pick up uh, um, the passage here at uh, verse 14, we read these words. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look, as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east and west, I am giving you this land. I am giving you this land. As far as you can see in your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Now, there's a word coming. Wait for it. Here it is. Go and walk through the land in every direction. For I am giving it to you. If the direct direction again from God to go. And as you go to claim that land, because as you walk through that land, as you walk in my power and in my presence and in my authority, I will give you that land. And it will be yours to possess and it will be yours to possess forever. God lavishes his promises onto us as Christians. And he promises us that he will bless us. He promises us that he will use this and there it is, Christians. In some cases it says that greater things than all of these things that you've heard and seen that Jesus doing will you do in my name. These are promises that God has made us as Christians. And what we have to do in the same way as Abraham, we have to start to more move and march out in the strength of those promises. To make them happen, we need to claim the ground that God has given us. That we will move in his power and his Authority. And here we have it. He walked out and he called through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. And so Abraham moved his camp to Hebron, set him near an oak grove belonging to Mamre, and there he built another altar to the Lord. Amen. Great promise. Now, Abraham's an unusual character, isn't he? First off, because we first read here 
uh, at uh, in 17, we said when Abraham, uh, Abraham was 99 years old. Anyone 99 here? Okay, let's lower it down. 89? 79. Why not 79? Excellent. 69? 69, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep moving south. God be praised. But I don't know how you would feel as a 99-year-old. <laughs> you might have thought, well, the best of your years of your life have been, have been spent. And then God suddenly bursts in and says, forget your retirement. Forget that garden patch. Forget that window box. Forget any, any hope you've got of playing any golf at all. Well, even at 99, that would be a miracle. But he came to him and said, forget all that. Go and do something. Amazing. And that's a clear message to us all. That age is not a barrier to service. So often I see people are frustrated because there are not enough young people within the church. And, and, you know, the question is, how are you using the resources that you've got? How are you using those people that have skills, that have life skills, that have lived a life, but have something to share? How? You know, we're not all called to be Abrams or Abrahams, but we are all called to be what? Witnesses, amen. We are called to be witnesses. So, let's pick up this. Bear in mind, Abraham is quite an aged man, even in uh, Genesis chapter 15. And he says this, sometime, uh, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision. So that's the second way he's appeared to him. In a vision now. Interestingly, the Bible says that young men see visions, don't they? Uh, and old men dream dreams. So in biblical terms, <laughs> you, you've, not, you've not even got old yet. This is the thing. In biblical terms, you're still a young man. That's great, isn't it? God be praised. So sometimes later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. I will protect you, first off. Promise, I will protect you. Second, you will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so, not one, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now, if you're an elderly person, I mean, I don't know how Abraham felt about things at that point, but I'm trusting that he must have been still quite lively in his body to be doing all these things. You know, and the Lord's turned up and said to him, you will have a son. And look at the number of stars. You'll have that many descendants. I don't know about you, but I might have just went, yeah, 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 come on. That's not, I can't be, that can't be right. That <laughs> can't be right. But then it says this, and Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's how I was taught to remember the word faith years ago. 
Forsaking all, I trust him. There is no other place to put your faith. There is no other place to put your trust. There is no other place to put your belief or to call out or to ask questions except to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, the one that is concerned about you. Right now, where you are and what you are and who you are because he made you. Amen? Amen. It's a, little, it's a real point trying to hide stuff from him, you know, because you won't be able to do it. You really won't. But he wants to take you, even this morning, into a new place. Just as he said to Abraham, I want you to go into a new place. So this morning, he wants to move you into a new place spiritually. You can go on a, on a spiritual mission to boldly go where maybe you haven't been before. Amen? And here we go. Another, another quick quick foray into further on to Genesis Genesis 22 15 to 19 angel of the Lord called out again to Abraham from heaven this is what the Lord says because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son do you remember this story it's one of my favorite bible stories here where Abraham takes his son and he's taking him up into the hills to, to ultimately sacrifice his son because God had asked him to do it that is some faith, that is some trust, that is some belief. Because the boy was going, Dad, Dad, we've got the wood. I can see you've got the knife. You've got the method to make the fire, but where is the lamb? And he said to him, son, God will provide. God will provide. So he's got to that position where right to the point where he's going to stab his son through the chest. And the angel calls out and, you know, and stops him. And the, Lord, the angel of the Lord calls him and said, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of the enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Amen? Obeyed me. So, what does Abraham teach us about mission? Something very fundamental, really. But God's word to Abraham was, walk before me and be blameless. Tough ask. Tough ask. But what he's actually asking us is to walk before him in obedience. To trust him. To love him to honour him, to respect him, and to do what he asks us to do. So often we find that a bit of a chore. So often we've got other things on our busy agendas. So often our lives are so busy that we don't find time for him. My daughter's revising at the moment for A-levels. And... Uh, She's, uh, she's in an enviable position in some respects because she's been given a place at, at Birmingham Conservatoire to study music uh, in September. And they said, all you need is an E-grade, just one E-grade. So she doesn't, you know, and it's a horrible situation because, you know, ultimately she could shut off. She could say, oh, I don't need to bother. But I came in the other day and she's redecorated the house. So in every conceivable piece of, of empty space, there is a post-it note or a poster 
about something either to do with, uh, with one of her uh, English, uh, she's doing double English or, or, or music, something that will remind her of something. And I was talking to her about this, and she said, well, you're always saying to me that God reminds you of stuff through anything. She said, I need bits of paper. I need bits of paper. What do we need? We've got bits of paper. God reminds us through his word that he wants us to obey him, And to boldly go. When he says go, we go. We don't ask why, when, how, which, what, but to boldly go. One of the nicest things I've, I found out recently, I was talking to uh, a guy called Ingo Abrahams, who works with uh, Release uh, and uh, Action International. And he was talking about a, a lady that's 84 that has just recently gone to start to work with street kids. Uh, in Brazil. Fantastic. She heard God say go. And she went. Now, have you ever said these words? Have you ever felt these, these words welling up when someone says to you, can you go and do, well, I can't do that. And they'll say, why don't you ask so-and-so? He's good with words. <laughs> or go and ask John. John can play the guitar. Just go and ask somebody else, because somebody else is better equipped at doing that thing which you've asked me to do than I am. Have been there? It's rubbish, you know. It is. It's total rubbish. Because if God asks you to do something, he wants you to do it. And you can do it because he will equip you. And as we think of Pentecost today, Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If we keep trying to do stuff in our own strength, you know, churches are full of people who mean well. And they say, I'll do youth work. And uh, they'll open a door and they'll do it with no, you know, just because they're there. God bless them for it. But sometimes we need to understand how God calls us to do things. Very painful lessons we have to learn sometimes as a church that it's, easy, it's better to lay aside something and pick up something else that God has told us to do. You know? Hard work. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Recently, we've been doing lots of studies on, on the, the, uh, the disciples following the resurrection. And immediately uh, after the crucifixion, where did the disciples go? Anybody? Anybody? They legged it, didn't they? Yeah, they were terrified. They thought some geezer's going to come after me with a spear and know me to a cross or something. They legged it. They just didn't want to be around. They hid. They tried to find somewhere to be far away. So they got themselves into a room and they locked the door. <laughs> Nothing is impossible for God, is it? So God comes into a locked room. Jesus comes in. And he stands amongst them. And he breathes into them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Those little timid fishermen and tax collectors or whatever they were, were suddenly made into bold disciples who would boldly go without fear. 
And the next time you pick up the story with them, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're healing. Because what? Because the Holy Spirit has come upon them and they have received power. And they are now preaching in the authority. Amen? And God wants to liberate us in the same way. He tries so desperately sometimes to liberate us and so often we fight and we put up shields and barriers. Not for me. Send somebody else who's got a different skill. God wants to use every single one of you lovely, beautiful people this morning to be a witness for him. Yeah? To be part of Mission Hern Bay. <laughs> to be part of that work. And God bless you for it. I found this on Tinternet, as they saw it. Do you recognise this? I hope so. New Frontiers. With a passionate commitment to build the church according to the New Testament. We believe the most effective form of evangelism worked out from strong local churches. The gifts of the Spirit are outworked. There is joy in caring for one another. Amen. There are a desire to make a difference in society. Amen. Oh, I love this one. There is an urgency to reach those in need. God says go. What are you going to do? Simple as that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And pray that the Holy Spirit will uh, make himself known big time to some of you this morning. And that you will want to go as he leads you. It's been a privilege to share with you this morning and uh, God bless you. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you to your, the word to Abraham. Walk before me and be blameless. Lord, show us how to be blameless. Show us, Lord God, how to walk before you in all things, putting your thoughts above our thoughts, your needs above our needs, your desires above our desires, that, Lord, we would be counted as righteous in your sight. Lord God, that we would be those people who are ready to take that next step with you, that we might be wanting to be part of a mission and not a monument. Part of a movement and not a monument, Lord God. Lord, we pray right now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in this house. Come, Lord, in power. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Touch each, each brother, sister here, that they might know you more. Perhaps, Lord, if they've got barriers in their lives. Perhaps if they put up barriers and maybe they don't count themselves to be beautiful in your sight. Lord, I pray that you will tear down those barriers. Make yourself known to those people in spirit and in truth. Lord God, that they would know your desire for their lives. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. That our prayers might be through the rest of this week and beyond. More of you and less of me. More of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. In the majority of my words, where are you? Oh, Lord God, in our words, our works, our deeds, our thoughts, Lord God, we hand them all over to you that we might be set aside 
for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Jim.